This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the 256th episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast which is now but one of four podcasts that comprise the Hollywood Reporter's podcast network, the others being It Happened in Hollywood, Behind the Screen, and TV's Top 5. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, and this episode is presented by Walt Disney Pictures' Mary Poppins Returns, which is nominated for four Golden Globe Awards, including Best Actress in a Musical or Comedy, Emily Blunt, Best Actor in a Musical or Comedy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Best Picture, Musical or Comedy. Mary Poppins returns for your consideration. My guest today is an 18-year-old actress from New Zealand who has taken Hollywood by storm this year. Breaking out at Sundance in the father-daughter drama Leave No Trace, which was co-written and directed by Deborah Granick, who previously brought the world Jennifer Lawrence in 2010's Winter's Bone, and subsequently getting cast in and shooting four other films, all of which are now in post-production. Thomason Harcourt McKenzie. For Leave No Trace, which former President Barack Obama recently named as one of his favorite movies of 2018, Mackenzie was nominated for the Best Breakthrough Actor Gotham Award, won the Best Breakthrough Performance National Board of Review Award, will be honored with a Virtuoso Award by the Santa Barbara International Film Festival, is nominated for the Best Young Actor or Actress Critics' Choice Award and the Best Supporting Actress Spirit Award, and is a serious contender for a Best Supporting Actress Oscar nomination. Over the course of our conversation at the offices of The Hollywood Reporter, Mackenzie and I discussed all of the above, plus much more, including how she overcame initial reservations to join the family business of acting, the unusual way in which she and Ben Foster prepared to make Leave No Trace together, the many comparisons that have been made between her and J-Law, and her plans for the future. So without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Thompson, thank you so much for doing this. Good to see you again. Thank you for having me. Of course. We always begin every episode with just a few basics about where you were born and raised and what your folks do for a living. But I know in your case, it's really sort of the family business, right? Yeah, yeah. Me and my whole family is in the, particularly in the New Zealand film industry, but we've kind of started to branch out all over the world in the past couple of years, mm-hmm. which is exciting. And where in New Zealand are you from? We are from Wellington, which is the capital city. My mum, I've never been to San Francisco, but my mum compares it to like a a mini San Francisco. Interesting. So tell us maybe a little bit more about your family's involvement with the arts, because it goes back generations. Your grandma, I was reading, is a dame because of what she's done in the arts. Yeah, I'm the third generation actress. So my grandma, she was an actress. She was a a pioneer for female actors. In, in New Zealand, and she's 91 now, and she's still, you know, doing the still odd acting job. Wow. Yeah, she's kind of starting to slow down a bit now, but I mean, she's kind of got an excuse yeah. too. <laughs> so yeah, my grandma did it. My mum, she is an actor. She started off as an actress, but she's now she's an acting coach, mm-hmm. and she's also done directing and that kind of stuff mm-hmm. before. Same with my dad. He started off as an actor. And he's a writer and a director as well. My granddad, even yeah. he was, he did some acting stuff, and, and my, now your generation, it's all yeah. you guys somewhat have been involved at one point or another, right? Yeah, all of my siblings is four of us, and we've all done it. But my brother, he's 
more into politics mm-hmm. now and my big sister she's an English teacher and my little sister she's a great actress as well but who knows yeah, what she's she going to do figure it out. Yeah. yeah so you haven't been a public figure for that long so no. it's hard to find information about some of the you know life before leave no trace but <laughs> I did my best and it sounds like Maybe as recently as five years ago, you did not want anything to do with acting, right? Even though it was all around you or maybe because it was all around you. Yeah, I think, I don't know, since I've been surrounded by acting my whole life, it's always been a part of what my family does. And I've, you know, I just think I kind of got a bit sick of it. Mm -hmm. I wasn't that interested. It wasn't exciting or new to me. And I've been acting as long as I can remember but when I was 13, that's when I properly started right. getting into it, when I did a film that I I felt so... It was a, a really intense story, but afterwards I felt really empowered because I had the opportunity to really make a difference and, and tell something that was really important and something that people should know. And I'm going to ask you about that one in a moment. But first, it sounds like maybe, you know, the chronology is hard to always get exactly right, but it seems like your first actual appearance on screen anywhere was actually maybe in a blink and you miss it kind of thing, but in The Hobbit, is that true? That wasn't my first on-screen appearance, but I was in The Hobbit, and you're right, it was like a blink and you miss it thing. (laughs) And it's annoying because even just at the beginning of this year when I hadn't really done much else that would be internationally known in magazine articles and stuff they'd say Thomas and McKenzie and then in brackets in the, Hobbit. the Hobbit and I'm like I wasn't really in not The really. Hobbit right. it's not yeah it's kind of, <laughs> I was so frustrated this I've done other things as well so before yeah. that though was actually what consent was before that I think consent was after that consent was my first year of high school okay. when I was 13 mm-hmm. The Hobbit was in Intermediate, which is in which is American Middle School, okay, I got think. It, got it. And before that, I did uh, my first feature film, which was a film for the New Zealand Film Festival called Existence. I played a little girl called Scraps, and before that, I'd done voiceovers and a lot of short films. And I think my first ever acting mm-hmm. experience, which I can't remember it at all, but mm-hmm. I was a newborn <laughs> and my mum who at the time was the head of acting at the New Zealand drama school Toy Fikari, she was doing a production of Into the Woods she was directing it she's an acting coach like she really like the connections between actors and stuff is really important to her and so one way she wanted to establish a connection between one of the actors and their baby, which in the actual play was that they were using a doll. Mm-hmm. But during the rehearsals, she decided to use me as a newborn <laughs> baby so that the actor would have a connection with this That's baby. That's your first, uh, first day on the job. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Got yeah. it. So it wasn't like, though, you went, you know, through grade school and all of that. You weren't the kid who was in all the school plays and everything, or were you? No, no. no I think I've done one school play which it was in primary school or elementary school and it was just a class performance that everyone had to do (laughs) and that's the only yeah that's the only play I think I've ever done I've never really been I mean my school my high school they didn't offer drama and I'm thankful for that (laughs) because I think my acting is my kind of acting is a bit different from dramas like like school drama kind of acting so when those earlier things that preceded The Hobbit and Consent, you know, you referenced some of those voiceovers and yeah. commercials? Yeah, I did, a, I did a couple commercials, but honestly, really can't remember. I think one was for some a paint yeah. thing or something. <laughs> but that know. was all happening, why? Because it sounds like, again, up until Consent, which was this TV movie that came out, I think, in 2014, again, you were not looking to do this. So how were yeah. you winding up doing it? Well... Just because my family, I think all of, you know, my siblings and me, we all did auditions, whether we loved it or not, Mm -hmm. we did it for pocket money. Mm -hmm. So I would do like voiceovers and short films as a way to be able to buy brat stalls and (laughs) and that kind of stuff and just have, you know, you know, make my own, yeah, just get allowance, that kind of thing. Right. But at that point, I wasn't in love with it. After I did the film, a film called Consent, mm-hmm. when I was 13, that's when I fell in love with the, with the, you know, with the research. I fell in love with 
what acting can do, like what you can, the effect you can have on the world or on the people, on the audience. And also I fell in love with just the acting side of it, being able to transform into different people, have different experiences. I mean, I look at acting as a way of being able to understand people and understand lives that I don't, that I don't live. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I just fell in love with yeah, the whole great. thing. Well, that movie, your involvement with it, the way it came about is kind of interesting from what I read because nobody was more surprised to find out that you were interested in going out for it than your mom, who was already kind of working with other people, prepping them, I guess, for auditions for the same role that you eventually got. For the same role of, for consent? Yeah, is that oh. right? I didn't know that, but I'm not you surprised. Well, let me read Let me read back the, maybe it's wrong, but this was the quote that I came across in one of these early articles, which was that, this is your mom saying, I was coaching a few actors via Skype for the role that Thomason ended up playing in Consent, and she was reading a book while listening to our session. After I hung up, Thomason said in her little voice, I'd like to audition for that role. And I went, what? But you hate acting. She replied, no, it sounds like a really great story to tell. So we did a little read through of the script right here, exactly where I am sitting right now. I was like, oh, my God, you're amazing. Mm-hmm. It was a great performance. And when she went in for the audition, she got the role. Close quote. Is that maybe? Oh, yeah. I mean, you were so young. Yeah. Maybe you don't remember. I I remember preparing for the audition. And I'm not surprised that she was coaching other people yeah. for it because <laughs> she does coach a lot of right. you know people my age. So. Yeah. <laughs> so just to be clear, at the time you went in for that audition, you had not been someone who was like taking acting classes. Yeah. You were not someone who had really had any acting credits as opposed to voiceover, commercial or things that are more, it's different than acting. Yeah. And you had no prior interest in acting. So when yeah. you go in for this role, which you then got in that audition, that was what you were coming in with. Yeah, and it was a really vulnerable part, like in the audition, like there was crying and it was just a really, really hard role. And I, I don't know, a young person like I was, I mean, I'm still young, but I was 13, maybe would be put off of acting after doing that role because there was a rape scene. There was, you know, a lot of crying, a lot of devastation, a lot of hardship. It sounds weird, but it made me really excited because I was telling, I don't know, like I said before, I was telling these stories that don't always get told. So your character in that movie is in, I guess, the first 17 minutes and then that's it. But in that 17 minutes are these tough scenes, again, including what you just talked about, the one where your character's raped. I was reading that you were more concerned for the actor who had to rape your character than you were for yourself. (laughs) Yeah, because it's a hard, you know, it's a really hard role to play. It'd be horrible playing someone that raped a young girl. Mm-hmm. It's really, you know, emotionally, mentally, it's it would be horrible. Mm-hmm. So my mum and I, my mum was with me during the whole filming process, were just making sure that the the actor knew that we still, you know, we loved him and we didn't see him as a bad a bad guy. It was just a character that he was playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it was, I mean. I was just in the first 17 or so minutes at the very beginning, but the whole film is really intense, and I wasn't allowed to watch it when it came out because <laughs> it was, you know, my mum just didn't want me to, to see it. Yeah. Even though I'd been in it, she didn't want me right. to see the whole thing. So, yeah, I wasn't allowed to watch it. I only watched it for the first time. Like, I only watched the whole thing a couple years ago or, I don't know, maybe a year or so ago. So in the time between that first movie, TV movie, and Leave No Trace... You have done a variety of different kinds of things, sort of, I guess we can maybe touch on a few, just what they were like, what you learned from them, what you took away from them. For instance, a girl battling cancer on a soap opera in New Zealand called Shortland Street. Mm. <laughs> How's, that's another probably dark place for a young person to go. Yeah, yeah, I did that role and I didn't really know much about cancer beforehand. Spoiler alert, my, my character ends up dying, which I knew was going to happen from the audition. Yeah. I knew that was that she was going to end up dying. But yeah, I learned a lot about cancer when I was doing that role in it. I started thinking about it a lot and kind of convinced myself for a little while that I had cancer too. Wow. While you were doing the part or just even after? After, after for a long time. I was for a year or a bit more than a year, I was going to the doctor like a lot going, there's something wrong wow. with me, I've got cancer. And that was kind of my introduction to the fact that 
you know, taking on really intense roles, it doesn't, you know, it affects you in your personal life as well. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was, yeah. I don't know, I, I guess I'm attracted to, you know, doing quite yeah. <laughs> intense roles. Well, the there were also a couple of web series. Maybe you can talk about one that was sort of a riff on A Midsummer Night's Dream and then yeah. one where you were the title character of a, a kid's web series called Lucy Lewis Can't Lose. You were Lucy. So <laughs> what were, I'm bringing these up because I think it – you know, people like to present it as if somebody just came out of nowhere totally, which yeah. is the way a lot of the Leave No Trace is written about. Yeah, but I like this because I never really get to properly talk about these <laughs> things that I did before Leave No Trace. Well, tell us about those, <laughs> the web series, because, you know, those are probably done pretty, talk about like independently. I mean, that's mm. probably not a big budget, not yeah, a no, big production no, not thing. Yeah, Bright Summer Nights, which was based off at Midsummer Night's Dream by Shakespeare. I played the girl version of Peter Quince, so my name was Petra, <laughs> and they were kind of budding, political. She was really into politics and standing up for what she believed in, and she was she's the quirkiest character I've ever played, if you ever watch it. And I think, I don't know who was listening to this, watch it, because it's, really, it's on YouTube and it's really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'd be recognisable, like I've got a big afro, I'm wearing this crazy <laughs> purple dress and I've got a, a necklace with Frida Kahlo and David Bowie on it and, and yeah she's really kooky but right. I loved it. We got to record a song for that, a really weird song. Are you, uh, you like singing as well? I mean oh, I don't know <laughs> everyone can sing it's just how good they are at it. I think I'm reasonably good at it. I'm confident with my voice okay. but I'm not Lady Gaga <laughs> or anything <laughs> like that. Yeah, so that was Bright Summer Nights. I did a web series called Lucy Lewis Can't Lose, which was about a girl with um, mild hip dysplasia. She was in high school and she walked around with crutches and she was also, she's really shy and doesn't like public speaking and, and one day she's presented with a challenge and she has to stand up for her fellow students and stuff, stand up against the really mean principal who was played by my mom really (laughs) she was so good she was so funny and then i guess one of the most famous new zealander filmmakers out there is jane campion yes who people will remember for a movie she made 25 years ago called the piano Mm -hmm. which was nominated for oscars including best director for her Mm -hmm. and then she's done a lot of other movies as well but so jane campion i guess is a family friend and she has yeah. a daughter who's also a filmmaker how did you end up working with them well um, my my mum and my dad and jane have been friends for a really long time in fact i'm wearing a necklace that jane gave to me oh nice yeah she's my little sister's godmother okay. so we're really you know our family is really close with her and we all love her she's a genius mm-hmm. she's amazing and she's also a, an incredibly kind person. She's been a, a massive support to my little sister. Mm-hmm. We all love her. Mm-hmm. Her daughter, Alice, is also incredible, also super creative and lovely. She's got a beautiful voice. She's an incredible songwriter. I got to be in her first short film that she directed called The Boyfriend Game. It's about uh, two young girls who are kind of playing make-believe. Mm-hmm. And we filmed it in Australia. That's the first thing I'd ever filmed in another country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had an awesome time filming in the, the Australian native bush mm-hmm. where there were ticks and leeches <laughs> and that kind of stuff. Sort of um, a, a little variation of the outdoor stuff you'd have to do later on with uh, yeah. Leave No Trace. Yeah, yeah. true. So when along the line did you first get an agent in New Zealand and then an agent in the States? Well, again, because of my family, I've had an agent in New Zealand for as long as I can remember. Mm-hmm. And with my New Zealand agent is Gail Cowan mm-hmm. Management. And then I don't even know when I got an, an agent in America, but I started off with CESD. And then at the beginning of this year, I signed with UTA. Yep. So now I work with Teresa Peters, Annie Streisand. My managers are Alyssa Vredenberg and Mitchell Gossett. And I've got an awesome team. I, I love all of them. Yeah. The reason I ask about getting the agent is because I guess it's through your American agent, which I don't know which one it would have been at the time that mm-hmm. of what I'm about to ask you, but that's who first brings it to your attention that – there may be an opportunity to read for a part in the first film in eight years since Winter's Bone from 
this filmmaker, Deborah Granick, who is obviously really good, but doesn't work that often and yeah. doesn't work with huge casts or whatever. So just take us through from how you first heard about the existence of such a script through you actually getting the part. Yeah, so when I got the Leave No Trace audition, um, that was when I was still with CESD mm -hmm. with Mitchell. And yeah, I just got sent the audition and I loved it. I read it and fell in love and there was a book that a movie, Leave No Trace, was being based off or adapted from called My Abandonment. And actually, Leave No Trace was originally called My Abandonment from the book. Wow. After we filmed it, they changed it to Leave No Trace. So it's really funny because our, our rap gift was a rain jacket and it says My Abandonment <laughs> <laughs> embroidered so in it. Nobody knows what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a secret. So, yeah, I got the audition and I read it. I loved it. I read the book. I loved it. I did the audition. I actually watched the audition yesterday. Yeah. And I look so young. I mean, I still look young, but... Because this but, was, what, two years ago, maybe? Oh, yeah. This was in halfway through 2016, I think. Yeah, so I did the audition and we had a lot of props. We brought a toothbrush and a sleeping bag, a bucket. When um, you say you did the audition, it was you taping yourself in... New Zealand yeah. for them, right? Yeah, we did a self-tape because I couldn't fly over to yeah, yeah. America to do it. And what did um, they did they tell you, please do X, Y, and Z scenes, or did they say, just show us what you can do? Yeah, they sent through the specific scenes they wanted, and in, in, in any sides or any edition you get, they usually send through a, a, some instructions, like what camera angle they want or you know that kind of stuff. So yeah, we did the audition, we had a lot of fun with it, and I got a recall, and I got to Skype with Deborah, and she asked me to redo the audition scenes and also to do some improv scenes. Mm -hmm. We did that, and in one of the improv scenes, there was a rabbit, and if you've seen the movie Leave No Trace, you know there's a rabbit in it called Chainsaw. Yep. So yeah, we did that, and I... I mean, I don't have a rabbit, but my little sister's best friend, she had a rabbit called Coco. Mm -hmm. So we walked down to Betsy's house and used her rabbit Coco in one of the auditions. Was there a blooper? I heard about a blooper. Oh, <laughs> not during the audition, but no. when we were actually filming, yeah. we were filming with this big rabbit that was playing Chainsaw. So this is on the set of Once You're yeah, Actually Making Movies? Yeah, this is on okay. the set, about probably like halfway through filming right. or something. And I'm just standing there holding this rabbit. It's a beautiful rabbit, and I love animals. So I was like in bliss. I was having a lot of, I was having a really good time. And then all of a sudden, there's like this explosion, <laughs> and the rabbit pisses all <laughs> over me. And it's really funny because I, I did an interview a little while ago right. and in the interview I told this story right. and in the and then in, I read the article and it said that I exploded when the <laughs> rabbit pissed on me like I was like you were angry yeah, yeah. but I wasn't that's I was what just, I had seen I was yeah. wondering that didn't sound like no, you no, no. I, I yeah. swear I didn't explode I love this <laughs> rabbit but I was just in shock right it was literally like a balloon just right. popping and Oh and my like, God. It was so... Well, that, that could be in the DVD extras, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I hope not. Well, so back to the audition, though. You, I guess the key thing to ask is that when you got the script from your agent or the sides, rather, from the agent, mm -hmm. did you know who Deborah Granick was? Had you seen Winter's Bone? Yes. Yeah, yeah, I'd seen Winter's Bone right after I finished filming Consent as a weird kind of, <laughs> I don't know, congratulations, right. like reward or something. Now you I don't get know. to watch this mature Yeah, now movie. you get to watch this amazing film. Right. So yeah, I watched it when I was on holiday with my family in a small fishing village in New Zealand called Nawi. And my whole family just loved it. It's an incredible film and Jennifer Lawrence does an incredible job. Dale Dickey, she's she's amazing also in it. Pops up and leaves. Yeah. Yes. yeah, she does. My mum was so excited about that. She didn't know Dale Dickey was in it and then Claire Van Beek, who was looking after me during the shoot, sent a picture of Dale Dickey and I hugging. Mm -hmm. And mum was like <gasps> <laughs> She was like oh, right. she loves her. She was in awe. Right. Um, she was so excited. Was it more exciting or intimidating to know that you are now trying to impress this director who you know works at a very high level and has worked with most recently at the time 19 year old Jennifer Lawrence who then has gone on to do what she's done yeah. but you know as you're auditioning was that kind of more exciting or intimidating it was more exciting for me I didn't put a lot of thought into the whole you know the fact that 
Winters Bone started off Jennifer Lawrence's career, I was, or anything like that. That was something that came later on, yeah. that intimidation. But I was just excited. I was honoured to be even auditioning for Deborah Granick. It was just crazy to me that she might see a video of me <laughs> doing this audition. I, I was yeah, really, really excited about it. So that initial audition video goes in, mm-hmm. then what happens? Then a little while later, I get the recall, and I started when my it was nighttime. I just come back from school, and my parents told me I had gotten the recall, and I started crying. <laughs> I was just so in shock. I was like, I was I, yeah, I was just so confused. So for somebody listening, that just means that you've advanced to the next round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The recall, it was like yeah, the next level. So yeah, I did the recall with the rabbit, and then like six months later. I get another Skype call from Deborah, and I was thinking, uh, this is probably just a catch-up kind of thing. I don't know. Because had you talked to her directly? I hadn't talked to her since. No, I hadn't but talked to her But you had talked to her Skype when since. you you had Skyped with her when that yeah, video had gone in? Yeah, I Skyped with her when I got the recall. And right. then, like, during the Christmas holidays, I Skyped with her again. Right. And I hadn't talked to her. For, for several months? Yeah, for a few months. Did you figure that they just moved on to something? Yeah, I thought, oh, they probably cast it and it went to someone else. I don't, I can't really remember what I was thinking about that. I Skyped with her again during Christmas and I thought it was just a catch up. I was kind of surprised because I, you know, I thought they'd already cast it. And then she started saying things like, when you're here, when you're in Portland, when we're working together and we're going to have to get you some jackets because it's really (laughs) cold over here. And I was standing on the Skype kind of looking around like, what is going on? And you didn't say like, wait, <laughs> wait a minute, what? <laughs> no, I was just so, I was so confused. Right. I just didn't know what to say because <laughs> she was talking as if I'd had the role and right. I had, you know, no idea going Nobody into it you. that it was yeah, going right. to turn into this. <laughs> and then the next day I got a call from my agent and my manager saying that I had the role. How did that sink in? Did you realize what a big deal that was? Again, I don't think I realized what, like, that it was a big deal. I, I was just so, I mean, of course it was a big deal for me, but I didn't think it was, you know, going to turn out like it has. Right. So I was so stoked. I was just over the moon. I didn't cry this time, <laughs> <laughs> but I was just so incredibly excited and honored and, and felt really lucky and excited to go over to America. I'd never filmed never something in America before. The yeah. only other time I'd been in America was when I was six and I lived there for three months when my mum was working on The Lovely Bones okay. as the acting coach and yeah, it Got was it. amazing. So Deborah, I think, has talked about one of the reasons she was drawn to casting you was that you had also sent, in addition to your audition tape something else that gave her a sense of what kind of person you are and Mm. that you're an outdoorsy person and just what you're all about so what was that and when did that come in yeah I think she's talking about the video of my of I sent through alongside the audition tape I had the idea one day that oh it'd be a cool idea for me to get a GoPro and go on a run through my favorite bushwalk in New Zealand with my dog so I borrowed my best friend's GoPro and I held it in my mouth and I went on this run. <laughs> and so she got to see the environment that I live in and and to see what I love. I kind of explained it as being a weird self-portrait. So, yeah, I sent that through. Do you think that you wanted to send that so that she could see that you are somebody who is comfortable out in nature? Yeah, yeah, for sure, because Leave No Trace, you know, nature is such an important part of it. And Tom, my character, is really connected to nature and that's what she's grown up. That's her home, like the forest is her home. So she's got a deep love for it. So I wanted to show Deborah that I too have a a love for nature and I'm really comfortable, you know, getting down in the dirt, getting, you know. When you read the part for the first time for the sides and and along the way, Mm. the character was not called Tom. No. So... How did that come about? Yeah, the character was called Caroline. Like in the book? Yeah, in the book, my abandonment, she's called Caroline. So, you know, when during the rehearsal process, when we started filming even, she was called Caroline. Like in the first versions of the script, she's Thomas Caroline. And then I think... I can't remember if it was... I I think it was like a week or so into filming um, when luckily Tom's name hadn't been spoken yet. Deborah called and said, would it be okay if we changed her name to Tom? 
And Do you go by Tom? Yeah, my nickname is Tom. My full name, my you know, my name's Thomason, mm-hmm. but I get called Tom, 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 Tim, Tam, <laughs> Tom Yum Soup, right. Tom Cat from Hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so she never said, you, she, can we call her Tom? And I was like, yeah, sure, you know, it's fine with me. I didn't really think much of it at the time. I thought, you know, this is going to be easier for me because I can, you know, naturally I respond to Tom. <laughs> did she ever tell you why she did that? Not specifically I don't think I think it was just it kind of felt right because mm-hmm. Tom you know it's a, it could be a girl's name yeah. it could be a boy's name it's, it's gender it's, you know not gender specific or anything and it, it's short and easy and practical Will is the dad's name Will Tom they sounded great together yeah it just fit her and I'm not, I mean, Caroline's a beautiful name yeah. <laughs> as well, but it just, it fit the character. And right. afterwards, you know, after we finished filming, my mum said a lot of people, a lot of actors would have had a problem with their character having the same name as them because it means it's not so easy to differentiate between the character and the, the actor. But yeah, I was it wasn't fine an with issue, it. Yeah. yeah. Talk about the work that you did before you even went to America to make the movie, because there was a lot of, you know, I guess you could call it homework, although it seemed, mm-hmm. sounds like some of it was was enjoyable, which homework yeah. isn't always. So <laughs> what were the various things that you were doing? Yeah, well, with acting comes research and preparation, which I love as well. I kind of, I appreciate the research and the prep- preparation side as much as I appreciate the actual acting and the actual doing it. So to prepare for Tom, I started writing a journal because in the book My Abandonment that Tom, or Caroline, she has a journal. So I started writing a journal. I wrote down things about human anatomy. I drew pictures of birds. I, I don't know, I looked through Wikipedias and wrote down things about seahorses. I drew pictures of mushrooms because Tom, she she collects mushrooms in the film. Her and Will, they love mushrooms. Mm-hmm. So I, I did that. Yeah, I had this um, beautiful journal that I... And when, once I got to America and started doing wilderness training, I started sticking in leaves and writing down their medicinal properties or whether you can eat them or not. Yeah, I started like, doing that kind of stuff. And it's actually funny because when... That meant that I wasn't allowed to bring the journal back to New Zealand with me. You can't bring plants and that kind of stuff so into what did New you do Zealand. With it? So I ended up having to leave it with Deborah. And then when I came back to America, I ended up having to cut out the pages with the leaves. I took photos of them so I could remember them. That's but, so crazy. You can yeah. take the leaves back? Yeah, oh. well, I guess, I don't know. New Zealand's pretty strict with yeah. that kind of stuff. So I can understand it. That's true. Yeah, yeah. sure. But um, yeah, and I went to a place in New Zealand called adrenaline forest where there's like massive obstacles high up in the trees and yeah and you just kind of climb through the trees and have a lot of fun what else did I do well I know one thing and I think it started in New Zealand was that let's say you know right now listeners are hearing this beautiful New Zealand accent (laughs) that had to be eliminated right so how did you go about doing that yeah I was doing accent coaching and um, I had been doing accent coaching for a little while before I even got the role for Leave No Trace just because I needed to, an American accent if I was doing auditions and stuff. So, yeah, I did accent coaching. And it's funny because when I was, like I said before, I, I watched the audition for Leave No Trace again yesterday and my accent has come a long way. <laughs> like I could still hear like tiny little New Zealand, you know, just the New Zealand accent kind of mm-hmm. popping through in some words. But yeah, I did accent coaching to get rid of this accent and to, to start sounding more American. Because I remember watching the movie. I had no idea. The first time I saw the movie was in New York. Mm-hmm. There was a screening. And then afterwards, there was a thing, a kind of a reception where I met you. And I couldn't believe it because I had not read anything about you at that point. <laughs> And I thought it was a joke. I thought you were putting on the accent for when we were meeting. So it was very weird because you really did a, a good job masking it in, in the movie. But Yeah, well, Leave No Trace first premiered at Sundance. Right. And I remember after the very first screening of it, I went up on stage and did a Q&A. Or <laughs> not really a Q&A, but like the whole cast yeah. went up on stage and I started talking. And the audience was like... <laughs> 
What? Wait, who is this imposter? We, this isn't the girl from the movie. There was a lot of kind of confused looks. But that's a great compliment. Yeah, that's I mean, that's good because yeah. it means the accent works. They bought it, yeah. yeah. Another question I had was that in the movie, I don't know about in the book, but your character is 13 years old, right? Yeah. You, when you made the movie, were already 16 or 17. Yeah, I was 16. 16. So did you guys have to try any techniques or tricks to make you come across even younger than you were, or did you just roll with it? Well, to be honest, we never, Deborah and I decided not to kind of specify how old she actually was. So I think she was around 13, but she could have been 14, mm -hmm. she could have been 12, she could have, you know, could have been 15, mm -hmm. probably not, but, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we never specified it. And I didn't do anything to make me seem younger. I, I look pretty young in general. I'm 18. I look, I don't know, a lot of the time people say, oh, I thought you were 14. I thought you were, I got, someone said I thought you were 12 once. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, so yeah, she was any age really. Right. But again, my voice is kind of high. I, I look a lot younger than I am. So it was easy to In play. the long run, it's going to be a great, great thing, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I mean, my friends, I, I get teased for looking really young. But I say to my friends, look, when we're 30, I'm going to look 20. So shame on you. That's it. So you get to Portland. Was your mom with you through the whole shoot or somebody was somebody was with you? My mom and dad were in New Zealand filming their film, oh, um, which right. is called The Changeover. But which you were also in. Yeah, I play a really small part yeah. in that. That was before I filmed Leave No Trace, actually. Mm -hmm. And it's based off a young adult novel by Margaret Mahi, who's a, a really well-known New Zealand writer. They were busy in New Zealand, so a lady called Claire Van Beek came over to, to America, to Portland, with me to look after me and just be my support and the person that you I knew could her go already? to. Yeah, I knew her already. She had been a babysitter for ages, a, a really close family friend. My mum had coached her or taught her at drama school. Yeah, and she's done, gone, she's made... Or she just finished making her first short film in New cool. Zealand. She's also really an amazing actress, amazing director. Nice. She's really cool. So it was amazing to have her there. And I think if I hadn't have had her there, I probably would have gotten lost. Or, or a little homesick, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely yeah. homesick. So you, you get to Portland, Oregon, which having not spent much time in America before that, I wonder if you thought this is what all of America is. <laughs> like We're all just out in the woods and whatever. But once you're there, I guess for the first time you meet your co-star, Ben yeah. Foster. And he's somebody who also started acting at a young age and, you know, has been doing it for a while now. So talk about how you guys developed that relationship. Did you immediately hit it off? And then I know we've talked in the past on this uh, panel we did at AFI Fest about mm -hmm. some of the, the techniques that you use to get closer, which were things that I think your mom teaches her acting students. So yeah. just talk about how you and Ben got to know each other, to play a father and daughter. Yeah, so the first time we met was the first day of our rehearsals. And um, when I say rehearsals, I don't mean we were all in a room, me, Ben and Deborah, like running through the scenes. We were doing wilderness training, you know, physically getting, preparing to play Tom and, and Will. So we were learning how to make fires, how to collect water, how to listen to bird language, how to be, to go around, you know, unseen, how to be camouflaged and blend into nature. Were you figuring um, this out on your own or they had somebody to explain we it? We had survivalists teaching us, Nicola Palian and Ellen Kay or something, mm -hmm. I remember both names, <laughs> but they had both been on a TV reality show called Lost, I think, mm -hmm. or lost or alone or something mm -hmm. where they went out into the wilderness and survived, tried to survive out there alone for as long as they could. So yeah, we met, Ben and I met on the first day of our wilderness training and we hadn't Skyped beforehand, we hadn't talked on the phone, we might have emailed or mm -hmm. something, I can't really remember. Had you ever yeah. seen any of his work before? I had seen Hello High Water right. and he was amazing in that so I was excited to work with him. And now, like, I've seen more of his films. He's so transformative. He's like a chameleon. He, he com you know, completely disappears into that character he's playing and there's no trace of 
who of him or of, of past characters or anything. He really is that character in that moment. He's amazing. I don't think he'd played a dad before in a movie. Maybe no. I'm wrong, but... He definitely wasn't a dad in real life at the time. He was right. his partner, Laura, who's in Orange is the New Black. Mm-hmm. She was expecting a baby who has now been born yeah. and is called Ella Rose, and she's beautiful. But, yeah, so we met the first day of wilderness training. He'd been there an hour before I was, so he could make a, a kind of shelter, make a shelter for me to test out. And, yeah, we didn't... I don't know if hitting it off is the right the right phrase, but we just kind of understood each other, mm-hmm. I think. We kind of felt comfortable around each other and we enjoyed being in each other's presence. And we were... I think what really helped with our relationship was that we were learning things with each other. Yeah. I mean, Ben, he had m- more experience than I had with acting and he'd played veterans before yeah. and he'd had a lot of experience with using guns and that kind of stuff. But we were learning things that neither of us knew. So we, in that way, we, we were kind of starting on the same level and we were on the same playing field, which I think really helped. But we also spent a lot of time together where we weren't we weren't talking. We were just with each other, and I think that helped as well. So how did things called Hug to Connect mm-hmm. and Hongi yeah. come into this? These are kind of things that you'd learned about, I think, for the first time in New Zealand, maybe again through your mom, who is this acting instructor herself. Did you, at just a certain point, grow comfortable enough with Ben to suggest that you try this, or when did that all enter the picture? Oh, first I'll explain what they are. Okay. So Hug to Connect is an, is an acting technique that my mum invented where you get a timer and you get a supervisor, <laughs> which sounds weird, <laughs> and the two actors, they hug each other for a minute. And at first it's really awkward. I mean, it sounds really awkward because you wouldn't really hug anyone for a minute, <laughs> like let alone a stranger. Right, right. So, yeah, we did that, and at first I could feel both of us were quite stiff. And then by the end of the minute, we had relaxed into each other and our breathing was in sync and I, I could hear Ben's heartbeat. And, and yeah, so that helped with like the intimacy and, and feeling comfortable. But you had just had the guts to suggest that you guys try this? Yeah, I suggested that to Deborah. Mm-hmm. And I think Deborah said something about it to Ben. And, and um, I did a Q&A with Ben a couple weeks ago, and he told a really funny story about it because he said he was actually really, he didn't want to do it at first. <laughs> he was really, like, weirded out weirded by out. it or something. And he was like, oh, I don't want it. This sounds weird. Right. I don't know if I want to do this. We got a young this. girl here. Are you going to want yeah. to <laughs> Yeah, and he was like, and there had to be a supervisor. Like, what? <laughs> he didn't really understand well, it. Well, if, if people think that's a little unusual, what is Hongi? <laughs> yeah, Hongi is a, the indigenous people of New Zealand, Māori. They have a special greeting where you touch noses and foreheads and exchange breath. And it's actually really, really beautiful. And as long as the person's brushed their teeth. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and everyone, I think, probably in New Zealand knows what a hongi is, yeah. and most people have done one. Mm-hmm. Like I did it for the first time at school on a on a school trip we had, where we went to a marae, which is like a Maori church kind of, and you we greeted each other with hongi. So, yeah, we did that as well. And, again, probably Ben was kind of weirded out by it. But um, we did it, I think, and, and yeah. Another thing that you had to do independently of Ben was get ready to do your scene in the film with bees, which could have gone very wrong if you hadn't prepared properly. (laughs) So when you heard that Deborah would want you to have a scene where you're, I'm trying to remember exactly, sticking your hand into a hive of bees, essentially? Is mm-hmm. that the way to describe it? I would have had a little hesitation about that, but take us through your bee experience. Yeah, well, yeah, from when I, when I read the script, there was a couple scenes with bees in it. And so when I got to America, when I got to Portland, I got to work with a beekeeper called Susan, and she's amazing. I, I follow her on Facebook, and she just got a new puppy, and, <laughs> and she's really cool. She's great. Right. And yeah, we just spent some time at her house with her, with around her beehives, and yeah, just got to know the bees. Got to spend time with the bees. I I learned about the proper 
I don't know if it's like protocol, but like way to be around them and and standing in front of a hive was unlike anything I've ever experienced before. It's a super it's super grounding and and like meditating almost. Like you can smell the hive, you can smell the honey and the propolis and the wax. You can hear it, you can hear the bees buzzing and just watching the bees is amazing. You you don't really I don't know, someone that doesn't know much about bees would have no idea that they're really incredibly hard workers. They've got their own ways of methods of communication. There's something called a wiggle dance, which a bee does, which lets the other bees know where the where the closest honey, you know, pollen sources. And also feeling the warmth of the hive was really amazing. So the first time I, I met Susan, I didn't, I didn't get to hold the bees or anything. It was just being being there and and them learning about them. But then maybe a few a couple of sessions later, I got to with gloves and with a, a suit on, I got to kind of hold the bees and take out the different compartments with the wax and and all of that stuff. And then at the very end of shooting, actually, when we'd already wrapped. That's when we filmed the bee scene Got it, because time. we weren't allowed legally or or like we weren't allowed to. I wasn't allowed to hold the bees right. in my bare hands. Laws, yeah, because yeah. of insurance. I mean, right. the, the American union laws or something. Right. I think that's right. what they're called are really strict. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, once we wrapped, that's when we filmed the bee scene. When I had like a lot, you know, a bunch of bees in my bare hands mm-hmm. and they were crawling around my hands and we'd had... We put honey on my hands, so they were licking the honey off my hands. and No stings? Nothing went wrong? No, no stings. It was, I mean, you'd think that you'd be freaked out doing something like that, but it, I, I don't even know how to explain it. It was really, I felt really powerful holding these little tiny creatures that if they wanted to, they could band together and sting me to death. Mm-hmm. But I loved it. That's great. So that was the last thing you guys did on the shoot, but there was a 30-day period before that, I guess, where you're at work in Portland doing you know, everything else that you had to do for the movie. And one of the things that I believe happened was because you had formed this relationship with Ben where you got to know each other and communicated with each other kind of easily during rehearsal, mm. they were able to cut out a lot of dialogue, which is the yeah. the dream because it's then, you know, we're seeing acting, not exposition, where you have to tell us everything. We can make our own conclusions from watching you. So how was that sort of decided and what did you, what did you think about that? I loved it. It, it made the job easier for me because it means I didn't have to talk so much, I didn't have to use my accent <laughs> so much. And, yeah, we just... Deborah and I spent time together at my house, at the house I was staying in in Portland, going through the script and and cutting out some dialogue, maybe changing some of the words around. And yeah, and, and Deborah and Ben also went through that process together as well, where they took out a lot of the dialogue, and it meant that the audience, it conveyed to the audience that Will and Tom could understand each other without having to say anything. Right. Otherwise, it's not as clear that they have this deep, deep special bond, Yeah, I mean, it just showed that they had lived together for so long, just themselves. They could look at at each other and understand what each other was thinking, that there didn't have to be any verbal communication. And, yeah, I think that's something that a lot of people have really reacted to from watching the film. That's something that's really... I've talked to about it a lot now because people just, yeah, they just love it. I'm yeah. so interested in that, which is great. And to, again, at the time, I didn't really even think about it. I didn't think about the fact that there was hardly any dialogue. It was just something that we did. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. it had kind of happened with Deborah's prior movie, Winner's Bone, as well. Like, I don't remember a lot of talking in that. We see a lot of the main character just out in nature mm. doing her thing and and I think it makes you have a deeper bond with the Yeah, character. I think Deborah cuz in Winter's Bone as well it's also quite a physical movie where Jennifer Lawrence is you know getting dirty again yeah. and she's doing a lot of physical stuff. Um I think that's something that Deborah must be quite attracted to. She's attracted to the physicality of it rather than the dialogue. I was going to ask you about that because there are a lot of these 
comparisons. I think every article that's ever been written about you since Leave No Trace, somebody has to mention Jennifer Lawrence and Winter's Bone, and I'm sure it can get a little, I don't know if annoying is the right word, but it's a a strange thing unless people really can specify what their point is, because, I mean, otherwise it's two people that have been in a movie by Deborah Granick. Congratulations. (laughs) But the detailed part of it, though, like you're saying, which I would, I wondered if Deborah has ever expressed why this is maybe of interest to her, but you've got two obviously smart and determined young female characters out in the wild a lot of the time, disconnecting from parents who have their own issues, played by very good young actresses. But I guess why would, even if Deborah didn't explicitly tell you, having gotten to know her a little bit, do you have any theory of why that would be something she's drawn to? You mean though that kind of actor that, or that, that kind of film? Well, both. I guess that kind of story of the independent young woman who has to kind of come into her own because her parents are in some ways not getting the job done. Yeah. And then also the maybe you see having seen Winter's Bone, having I don't know if you've met Jennifer yet, but not yet. No, I really want to. Though. Yeah. <laughs> She's amazing. Yeah. But I mean, so even just watching the movies thematically and then also in terms of the two actresses is there anything that jumps out to you or that you've heard Deborah discuss well you're right in saying that Winter's Bone and, and um, Leave No Trace they're similar in that it's a it's just you know there's two lead strong female characters and there's some struggle with the dad and it's really naturalistic and real and I think well, I know Deborah is really attracted to those those kind of stories. She likes real stories. She likes stories of people kind of on the border of society that don't really get told a lot, don't get seen a lot. And I think in terms of why she cast me or why she cast Jennifer, we were just the, the two actresses that she responded to at the time and that she felt conveyed the characters in a way that she that she wanted. Yeah. So I don't know, I don't think she cast Jennifer Lawrence, I don't think, and then went on to cast me because there were any specific similarities between us. We were just the people that she responded to. Interesting. Mm. And you got to get on her case to make the introduction. I mean, yeah. come on, after you've had to talk so much about Jennifer Lawrence, now the least she could do is introduce you. And but. I mean, I'm sure for Jennifer Lawrence, it's probably... Again, maybe not annoying might not be the right word, but weird that so many people are comparing me to her and there's this, you know, random other Kiwi actress that kind of come up out of nowhere. But no, I I think she's an, an amazing, incredible actress. She's funny and she's obviously really smart and witty. And I don't know, I'd be honored if she'd even seen Leave No Trace. <laughs> <laughs> well, last few things about Leave No Trace. I don't know if this is the case in New Zealand, but in America, when movies of any size are made, they generally are shot out of sequence, just whatever mm. you have to do to make the most of your budget. So yeah. that, but yet for this movie, if that happened, that might have been tough emotionally because we're seeing a relationship where it starts in one place between Tom and Will and then has this dramatic kind of where it ends up. I don't mm. want to spoil it. Mm-hmm. So... If it wasn't done in sequence, that must have been something that you almost had to chart. Like, where are you emotionally with him at that time? And yeah. So what, what was it in sequence? Yeah, we did film in sequence, which again, when we were filming, I didn't really give much thought to it. Yeah. It was just something we were doing. When I watched Leave No Trace for the first time, it was such a weird experience because I felt like I was watching myself grow up. Mm-hmm. I think my hair got longer. I was probably getting taller, my features were getting darker. Emotionally, mentally, I was changing, obviously. Yeah, it was strange, and it really has an amazing effect on the movie, and it really means that Ben and I were able to get into the characters more and understand what was happening more because it was all happening in the right order. Right. And now I've done more films that aren't weren't filmed in sequence and were kind of, you know, bitsy, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, we'd film one scene yeah, yeah. from the end of the film and then we'd film a scene from the middle. And, and I found myself, yeah, like you said, kind of charting it. Like, where is my character at the moment? What is she feeling? What happened before this scene? Mm-hmm. And I kind of got a, like, on the last film I did, Lost Girls, I think I got a little bit obsessed with doing the charting yeah. of it. And I started 
like doing full on entries and of like analyzing the scenes of what she'd be feel, feeling in that exact moment and and that kind of stuff. And on one hand, it was really helpful because we weren't filming in order mm -hmm. and because I understood completely where we were in the script. Right. But on the other hand, it meant it was taking the spontaneity out of the performance. So for like three quarters of the film, I was doing this analyzing, and then in the last quarter. I just stopped and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to, I don't want to do that anymore. I'm going to look at the scene beforehand, but I'm not going to analyze it mm -hmm. because it just takes the freshness out of it. Yeah, because there's such different ways of working. Mm -hmm. Was there any difference working with a female director versus a male director, which you've also done? I don't think so. I think, you know, all the directors I've worked with so far, whether they've been male or female, have been amazing, amazing to work with. All of them really creative and unique and have their own ways of going at acting. Every director is different in their directing style, whether they're male, whether they're female. It's just, you know, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. I don't think there's any, because we're all people, there's no difference because of gender. So the movie gets done, there's a little wait, obviously, for post-production. Then you go to Sundance first, right, mm -hmm. and then eventually Cannes. But I just want to ask that, when was the first time you saw the movie, and what was that like? First time I saw the movie was on my dad's computer in his office. <laughs> and, yeah, I watched it. I think, I think we watched it together for the first time. You know, it was on a smaller screen, and it wasn't quite finished. It wasn't the final cut. Mm -hmm. They still had to add some stuff to it. And I was scared after watching it because I love the film and I'm really proud of it, but it is a slow burner and it's really quiet and nothing massive happens. It's not like a Marvel film or, or anything <laughs> where there's explosions right, and right. There's like, it's all building up to something. It's not like that. So I loved it, but I was nervous because I didn't know how people were going to respond to it. And I think my parents felt the same. So then you... Flash forward a little bit and you go to Sundance. Tell us about that. We, it premiered at Sundance and the response was really beautiful. And I was really, I was relieved because sitting in that theater, I was watching the film. It was the first time I watched it on a big screen like that. Yeah. But I was also really watching the audience and seeing at what points they were laughing or what points people were crying or and it was yeah I don't know people seemed to love it and that was really amazing for me because I don't think I'd ever made a film that I cared so much about yeah. the response and really yeah. from that first night at Sundance you start getting the first reviews you mm -hmm. start getting the first reactions from people in the industry yeah. and then there's been this rollout ever since, almost a year now, where people are discovering the movie in one way or another. And I want to ask you, you know, there are all these different stops along the way. You go to Cannes, which is the <laughs> most kind of Cinderella-esque yeah. film festival there could be. And there's been a lot of different kind of red carpets and things that probably were not a big part of your life before this movie. Yeah. So what has this year almost been like for you since people started seeing Leave No Trace and, and how has it affected your life and your career? Yeah, I think, like you said, I'd never experienced what I've experienced this year, going to Sundance, going to Cannes, going to Karlovivari, which is another film festival one, yeah. in the Czech Republic. And I'd never, I mean, I'd never have people that amount of people wanting to take selfies with me before. <laughs> I'd never walked on a red carpet with, right. you know, interviewers and flashes from the cameras. I'd, I'd never experienced that kind of stuff before on that scale. And it was really stressful and alien to me. I didn't, I still don't really understand it, but it has helped me to understand that I'm not here for the fame or the stardom. I'm doing what I'm doing. I film Leave No Trace and I've been, you know, 
the films before that, the films since that, I'm doing them for the acting and for the storytelling side, and that's the side that I love, and that's this, the the part that makes me happy. And you've um, had a lot of that in the time since yeah. January, right? I mean, yeah, how... I've done four films. That's yeah. crazy. So are you just not sleeping or what? <laughs> I'm sleeping, yeah. but just not as much. Right. <laughs> and have you been back to New Zealand? Has the film been available there? Are your friends and the public there treating you differently? Yeah, I've, I mean, I haven't spent a lot of time in New Zealand this year, so I haven't noticed a difference in how people are treating me. No, it has been screened in New Zealand. I went to the the New Zealand premiere of it, of Leave No Trace at the film festival there in Auckland, and that was, I was most nervous for that yeah. because people that I cared about, that I loved, were seeing it for the first time. And I you know my friends saw it for the first time and I know that some of them really like Marvel films <laughs> and that's their kind of film, which I love those right. films as well, right. but they're not there. So Definitely far they haven't right. been the kind of films that I've, I've filmed. So I didn't know how they were gonna respond to it, to Leave No Trace, a film that was not Marvel in any way. Right. It was, you know, like I said before, quiet and a slow burner. And so, yeah, I was nervous. How did it go? It went good. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I, don't know. I think they liked it. I mean, they none of them have told me otherwise. No one said, I hated it. <laughs> I won't sucked. speak with you anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to be your friend. That was horrible. The worst experience right. I've ever had. No. But you're not, so you're, you're done with school? Yeah. Yeah, I finished school. I mean, I, I haven't properly been at school since the beginning of this year. My friends, actually, last night, they had the Leavers Ball or the, I don't know. Is that like prom? Compar- yeah, comparable yeah. to prom, um, which I didn't get to go to, unfortunately. But they've finished all their exams and everything now. And so you were kind of homeschooled during the last year? At the beginning of the year, I worked really hard and I, I was doing assignments and schoolwork before I went away to to embark on on this journey. So I've done a little bit of school this year, but I haven't done, since I've been working, I haven't done any homework or um, homeschooling or anything like that. And looking ahead, are you going to be, now that you're in such demand here in the heart of the film industry around the world, Hollywood and America and whatever, are you going to be moving here? We'll see. I mean, I'm leaving back to New Zealand on, on Thursday for Christmas, and then I have to come back here in January so I'm definitely spending a lot more time overseas than I am at home. So maybe I will um, have to get an apartment here right. or something. But if we'll just see what happens. And what's been your experience with America generally, but Hollywood specifically? Anything particularly funny or weird or whatever? I mean, I know you've talked about probably some of the stuff that comes with it, like paparazzi or whatever. But yeah. are you also just you know, as an 18-year-old in America now and in Holly and, and in this business, what's been funny, weird, strange, just what stands out, at, you know, if you were to make notes here essentially for the memoir, one day you're going to go and write, <laughs> what's it been like? America is very different from New Zealand. Your leader is very different. <laughs> and it's, it's funny because at the Sundance Film Festival, I um, did a Q&A and someone asked me, would you ever come live in America? And I said, well, I mean, I love America. It's a great country. It's full of great people. I mean, Americans are lovely so far from what I've seen. Mm -hmm. But you guys are going through your struggles at the moment. (laughs) And the whole room burst out in laughter because they were all like, why does this 17-year-old New Zealander (laughs) know that we are having, you know, some hard, going through hardships. Well, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure everybody in New Zealand probably is saying, yeah. what the hell's going on well, over the there? The whole world is right. really conscious of what is going on in America. Yeah. You know, we're not all, uh, we're not all responsible for this guy. I know, I know, <laughs> I know. That's why I say, you know, Americans are lovely. Right. guys are super no, generous and kind and happy right. and friendly and, <laughs> and for the most part. But yeah, I think, I don't know if there's any specific thing that I've noticed about Hollywood or living in America. I think the whole experience has just been really new and amazing. I'm lucky to be going on this journey. I'm lucky, incredibly lucky to be over here, being young and being and having the career that I've had so far. I'm very, very lucky. So I think the whole thing has just been an amazing, amazing experience and, I, and hopefully it continues. Last question is looking ahead, just kind of 
obviously nobody can predict the future, but if you, thinking about the years to come, if you could play any sort of role or specific role, what would it be? Would you work again with your parents who have directed you, as we said, in one movie? And generally, if you had, if your career had to resemble one other actresses who you admire, who would that be? I know a lot of people have been, a lot of actresses who you'd probably known about are now it's it's got to be like the mirror somebody walking through the mirror like Jodie Foster is a big fan of yours and other people so just to reiterate any specific role would you work again with your parents and then somebody else's career that you would kind of look at as a role model I've always said that I really want to play an alien or an <laughs> elf one day I think that would be really cool something kind of ethereal and alien and, and, Maybe like and Avatar. funny looking. Yeah, yeah Avatar. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to like limit myself right. to anything, but I'd love to do something like that because it's something I've never done before. Mm-hmm. Actually, it's in one, probably a year ago or something, I was talking to a family friend who he's also a director and he said to me, Thomason, you look like an alien. You really scare me. You intimidate me. Oh my gosh. And I was like, I mean, I don't know if that's a compliment, a compliment or not. <laughs> but yes, I'd love to do something like that. I would definitely work with my parents. It's hard working with your parents because right. you don't want to listen to them. Right. Most of the time you right. want to kind of rebel against them and not, not do what they tell you to. But my parents are really amazing, creative people. They've got a a, a beautiful vision, which you can see in the in the past films they've done, the past projects they've had. I have grown up watching my parents and being really inspired by what they're doing. So yeah, I'd love to work with them again whenever, wherever that may be. Mm-hmm. And yeah, definitely, I think Jodie Foster would be my answer to someone that I look up to or someone I want to maybe model my career mm-hmm. off of. I think she has done really incredible versatile roles and she has also yeah she's directed and she's listening to interviews with her and talking to her in real life which was (laughs) mind-blowing to say the least she is really determined and a really strong female character and if she wants something then she goes out and gets it and I, I also really admire that through her whole career through the amazing things she's done and the massive attention that's been on her she stayed really grounded throughout it all, and she seems to be really low key, and just in it for, for the craft, right. which you know I love. Also, I mean, Frances McDormand's yeah. amazing. Ben Foster, yeah. Ben, I, I really look up to Ben, and I think, you know, he's a really crazy, awesome, quirky, <laughs> deep, intelligent guy. Right. Yeah. Well, it's been fun getting to discover you through the through Leave No Trace and and then getting to pick your brain this season. So thanks for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks very much for tuning in to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate you taking the time to do that and would really appreciate you taking a minute more to subscribe to our podcast for free on iTunes or your podcast app and to leave us a rating as well. If you have any questions, comments, or concerns, you can reach me via Twitter at twitter.com slash scottfeinberg. And you can follow all of my coverage between episodes at thr.com slash the race. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.